Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the 10th and Broad Church of Christ podcast. Today's episode is presented by Shane Kennedy, the youth minister at the 10th and Broad Church of Christ. Let's tune in now for Shane's message. Well, if you ever attended a church camp growing up, especially one where you stayed in bunkhouses, one common tradition at church camps is that you will sign your name on the bed that you slept in. Maybe you've done that before. You may put something like, except you'd put your name, but you'd write something like, Shane was here. Pretty profound statement. Uh, If you're really cool, you would spell was W-U-Z instead of W-A-S. How many of y'all would admit, have you ever signed your name on a bunk bed or a table or a wall? There's a few of y'all willing to admit it. Uh, Let me share a story about that. When I was early on in youth ministry, I was working uh, up at a church in Vernon, and uh, we were at a retreat, actually out at Camp Chaparral, just out in Iowa Park, and it was a a joint youth retreat, a guys retreat, and it was with Tenth and Broad and a few other churches in the area as well. And it was in my first year of ministry, and I had been dating my now wife, Rachel, for just a few months before this retreat. And uh, we brought our stuff into the bunkhouse, and we're getting our stuff settled and picking out our beds for the weekend. And I picked just a random bed kind of in the middle of the room, a bottom bunk. And uh, whenever I first lay down on that bed, and I looked up, and I saw the plywood above me, and on the plywood was written, Rachel Harden was here. If you don't know, that's my wife's maiden name. Um, and so she had gone, as a little girl with, uh, with her church, she had gone there to camp, and I just happened to pick the exact bed that she had signed. Now, at that point, I was already pretty excited about our relationship, and uh, I was hoping that we were moving towards marriage, but I just took that. That was just one more sign from God that it was meant to be. When you think about it, that's kind of a weird tradition that we have, that we would sign our names on those beds and let people know that we were there. Um, I'm sure lots of camp managers don't appreciate that you write all over the furniture. But for some reason, we feel the need to leave our mark behind, that we want those after us to know that we were there. I think we have this desire to leave our mark on more than just church camp furniture. I think we have that desire in life, too, that we want to leave our mark on this world, that we hope at the end of our lives that that we have left some sort or had some sort of positive impact on the world around us and on the people around us, Um, that we want a life of significance that matters, that leaves a lasting impression. I don't know if you ever think about that. Is that something you ever consider of what is your impact? What's the legacy or the footprint that you're going to leave behind when you're gone? When I think about that for myself, I hope that I leave a lasting impact on this world. I hope the way that I love and raise my children, I hope that that will affect their kids and their kids' kids and their kids' kids. I hope I can make a generational impact in my family. I hope that I can do some good in ministry, that I can help people grow in their faith and strengthen their faith. Um, But the truth is, most likely, a few generations after I'm gone— most people will not remember my name. Uh, My name is not going to show up in any history books, most likely. My footprint on the world will be relatively small, but I do know the one who has had the greatest impact 
out of anyone who's ever walked on this earth. And in fact, I believe that any good that comes from my life can actually be attributed to him working in me. So I get to kick off a new sermon series uh, today that we're going to continue through December that Ken's going to preach for us called Impact. And during this series, we're just going to look at how Jesus has impacted the world. Um, He has had a greater impact, really, than, than everyone combined. And his impact has only been for good. So as we go through this series... I think as we discuss some of the, the big impact he's had on our world, I think some of the ways we're going to talk about, maybe you haven't considered, or maybe we've even taken for granted because we've never known a world outside of the influence of Christ. But he has impacted our world in significant ways. Because of Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection, the world has never been the same. Let's continue to worship. Will you pray with me? Dear God, we thank you so much for Jesus. Um, God, uh, I pray that as, as we look today and as we consider um, the impact that he's had on our world, God, I, I pray that you um, just open our eyes, help us to, to realize the significance of who Jesus is and what he's done in this world and what he's done for us. Um, God, I thank you so much that you are a good and loving and faithful God and a God who entered your creation on our behalf. And God, we just pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Well, when you look at some of the circumstances of Jesus's life, some of the circumstances don't seem to point to someone that would have a world-changing impact. When you consider his birth, that we talk about a lot at this time of year, the way that he entered this world. Um, He entered this world in some ways with little dignity. He was born to a poor couple, displaced from their home, amidst the appearance of scandal as they had not yet been married. He was born in a barn, a feeding trough for his cradle, wrapped in rags. There was no room for him anywhere else because no one thought that he was significant enough to make room for him. He was targeted for death from his birth, and his family had to flee the country, and hiding. So when you look at the way he entered this world, in some ways this didn't seem like someone that's going to have a lasting impact. If you fast forward to the end of his life, his death also would come with little dignity. He was betrayed and abandoned by many of his friends. He was wrongfully convicted and sent to a criminal's death on a cross. He was beaten and bleeding, naked and shamed. He was mocked, given a crown of thorns and a robe, and the words King of the Jews placed on a sign above his head. So looking at the way he entered this world and the way he left this world, many would judge or assume that Jesus was not going to be someone of lasting significance. There was another man in Israel who lived at the same time of Jesus— who also wore the title King of the Jews, King Herod. He was not given this title mockingly like Jesus was at the cross, but rather he was awarded this title and given this power by the Roman Senate. We see Jesus and King Herod's stories intersect, uh, especially as we read the birth story. In Matthew 2, we see Herod actually feels threatened by this child that he hears 
has arrived whenever magi come to travel and see this child. At the time that they lived, Herod and Jesus, Herod seemed to be the one who would have the lasting impact on the world. He seemed to be the greater picture of power and influence, not Jesus. Herod was of noble birth. He was the leader of armies. He was politically skilled. He was able to reign for 40 years, staying in the good graces of the Romans. He's considered one of the greatest builders of all times, as he had many extensive building projects that he completed during his reign. Surely this is the kind of man who would have lasting influence, impact on the world. But yet, it's the poor carpenter from Galilee that has exponentially greater impact on our world. How did that happen? Well, let's continue to look at the two. He was known as Herod the Great. You know, often men who seek greatness in order to secure their legacy or some picture of immortality, they will have cities named after them. The cities named after Herod are now in ruins. Jesus, when he lived in this world, for a lot of his life, he had no place to live. But yet today, more cities are named in his honor or in honor of the ones who followed him than anyone else in the world. You can think just of some American cities named after some of his followers. Think of places like St. Paul, Minnesota, or San, San Francisco, California, named for St. Francis, or not far away, San Antonio, or even Corpus Christi, meaning the body of Christ. Um, you can think of certain countries, like El Salvador, literally means the Savior. You cannot look at a map without seeing the impact of Jesus. Herod was one who sought power by any means. Often, powerful leaders or powerful regimes have tried to establish their importance by even changing the calendar. When you think of some of the Roman emperors, they dated events according to the years of their reign. To people who lived during Jesus' time, the idea that Jesus would somehow impose a calendar on the world, that seemed like a laughable idea. Even Luke, when he was telling the story of Jesus, when he dated the beginning of his ministry, he said, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius. And yet today, we mark our calendars by the birth of Jesus. I was born 1987 years after Jesus was born. And even if current historians have changed it to CE for common era or current era, rather than AD, meaning in the year of our Lord, the common era still begins with Jesus. So we can't look at a map without seeing the impact of Jesus, and we can't even measure time without seeing the impact Jesus has had on our world. Herod was one who sought fame. You know, famous people often want to preserve their legacy, and they want maybe others named after them. But today, when you think of names like Herod or Caesar, those seem to be reserved, those are names for dogs or pizza restaurants or casinos while the names of Jesus and his followers are some of the most common names in the world. Think about how many people are named John or Peter or Paul or James or any of the apostles, maybe not as many Bartholomew, but these names of Jesus and his followers have continued on and on. They've been some of the most popular names for every century after Jesus. 
So his name continues, and the names of his followers continue. Herod left monuments behind honoring him. You know, great leaders often maybe would have works of art commissioned in their honor. Very little now is left of the massive building projects that Herod completed during his reign. But there are more works of art commissioned in honor of Jesus than anyone else who ever lived. From sculptures to paintings to literature to music to architecture, even in modern day to film, no one has inspired more beauty than Jesus. When you think about the name of Jesus and just the weight it has on our world, it's in his name that desperate people pray, that grateful people worship, and even the angry people swear. One writer described it this way, from christenings to weddings to sick rooms to funerals, it is in Jesus' name that we are hatched, matched, patched, and dispatched, if you're able to follow all that. He marks, Jesus impacts every stage of our life. There's something about the name of Jesus. Well, both Herod died and Jesus died. Normally, when a person dies, the impact on their world immediately starts to recede. Jesus' impact is actually the opposite. He had a greater impact a hundred years after his death than he ever did during his time on the earth. And it was even greater still 500 years later and a thousand years later. And then today, 2,000 years later, he has more followers in more places than ever before. His impact has just continued to grow. What began in a small town in Israel has spread from its start in Jerusalem with the Jews. It was embraced by Gentiles across the Roman Empire. It then spread to northern Europe. And people from Europe took it to North America and to many corners of the world. And now most Christians are found in the global south or the east, where most religious movements tend to be centered around their birthplace Christianity has a way of traveling and spreading. So the impact of Jesus is ever-expanding and ever-growing. You know, sometimes when we look at the world immediately around us, maybe that may be hard to see that Jesus' impact is still growing. In our part of the world, it may seem like the influence of Jesus is diminishing. It seems like our culture is moving further and further away from him and away from his values— We see less and less people attending church, and every year we see more and more churches closing their doors. In the last 50 years, one study showed that the percentage of Americans that claim to be Christians has changed from 90% to 64%. And the faith group or category that's growing the fastest is is what they consider the nuns, not N-U-N-S, but N-O-N-E-S, those that would claim atheism or to be agnostic or, or would just say their faith is nothing in particular. So in some ways, when we look at our culture immediately in front of us, it may look like Jesus' impact is declining. Uh, It may be easy to start to question, does Jesus still have influence on our world? Maybe we start to waver or doubt. But I hope one thing that you can take from this sermon series is that you should never count Jesus out. What God began in Jesus, God is going to finish in Jesus.
And there's a day that's coming when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I love what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.12. And it won't be on the screen, so you'll have to open your Bibles if you want to read it. 2 Timothy 1.12. Paul writes to encourage Timothy in a time when it looks like the influence of Jesus was being threatened. They lived in a culture that was becoming increasingly hostile towards the Christian faith. Even Paul himself was writing from prison because of his faith in Jesus. But yet he writes this in 2 Timothy 1.12. He says, That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed, and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. That's impressive. They got that up as I was just saying it. That's pretty awesome. Paul was not worried about the impact of Jesus. He had put his faith in him. He had put his trust in him. And he was confident that Jesus was not going to fail him. He, was, he knew that what Jesus was doing in the world was not going to fail. And he was convinced of the promises and the hope that he had in Jesus. How is Paul able to have that perspective, even when it seemed like his influence was being threatened in the world around him? Well, I think we can consider Paul's story to know the answer. You think, you, you think about Paul and the story we read in Acts. He started out fighting against the impact of Jesus. He did not believe that Jesus was Lord. He believed he was a false teacher and a threat to the true faith. He was determined to stop Jesus' influence, arresting and even killing followers of Jesus. He believed Jesus was dead, and he wanted to put to death any influence he still had in the world. But Paul learned that you could not stop the impact of Jesus. He had a personal encounter on the road to Damascus where he actually saw and heard the living Jesus. And he learned that he truly is Lord. Paul learned that Jesus' mark on the world wasn't just that Jesus was here, but that Jesus is here. He is alive and active, still advancing his kingdom and doing his good in this world. You see, the reason Jesus' impact did not diminish after his death is because Jesus did not stay dead. And that's why his impact will only continue to grow in this world, because he's still at work, and nothing, not even death, can stand in his way. That's why Paul says, I know whom I have believed in, and I am convinced that he's able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. So if you're ever discouraged when it seems like Jesus' influence around us is shrinking— Hold on to faith. Keep putting your trust in Jesus. Follow him and know that he is not going to let you down. He is alive and active in this world. He is still making a difference. Hopefully this series can be a reminder and encouragement that his impact in our world is unstoppable and ever-growing. You know, the people that have encountered Jesus as Paul did— Jesus' impact on our world is not surprising to them because they have personally experienced it in their own life. They have discovered the truth about Jesus, about who he is, and personally come to know his incredible saving power that has transformed their lives. They know the impact of Jesus because he has impacted their lives and their hearts. If we could, 
We could talk to the Samaritan woman that Jesus spoke to at the well, and she could tell you about this living water that she discovered in Jesus that you can drink, and it will completely fill your, fill your emptiness in your life, and that you'll never thirst again. You could ask the short-statured, tree-climbing, wealthy tax collector named Zacchaeus, and he can tell you about this unbelievable treasure and value that he found in Jesus that's worth giving everything else up for. You could talk to the flawed fisherman named Peter, and he would let you know what it's like to have Jesus as a friend and how he fills your life with purpose and new meaning. You could speak to Lazarus, who spent four days dead in a tomb, and he could tell you from very personal experience that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. What story would you tell about how Jesus has impacted you? Well, as we go through this series, we're going to look at Jesus' impact on the world from a big picture and on a grand scale, but we're also going to look really personally at how has he impacted your life. Because that is how Jesus impacts the world, is one life at a time, one changed heart at a time. So I invite you, as we continue through this series, to not let it simply be a reflection on the big picture, but to also allow Jesus to impact your own heart and to shape your own life, to open yourself up so that you can encounter the living Jesus, so that you can know more deeply the truth about who he is and allow him to change you. You know, one of the coolest things about the way that Jesus is still impacting the world is that he chooses to do so through his followers, through you and through me. We believe Jesus is still alive, and one of the ways that he's alive is he is alive in me and he's alive in you. So we actually get to participate in the growing impact of Jesus by the way that we live and the things that we do. We get to continue his good in this world. When you do things like volunteer at Southern Hills to help a child learn how to read, that's the impact of Jesus. When you choose to let go of a grudge or bitterness that you were holding against someone and choose to forgive instead, that's the impact of Jesus. When you choose to be generous and give to those in need, that's the impact of Jesus. When you take time to look another person in the eye and to learn to love them, that's the impact of Jesus. When you cross social or cultural barriers and show kindness and understanding, that's the impact of Jesus. When you show compassion to a child in need or to an orphan, that's the impact of Jesus. When you defend the rights of a vulnerable woman, that's the impact of Jesus. When you hold on to hope in the face of trials or sickness or death, that's the impact of Jesus. You know, earlier I talked about what kind of mark I would leave on this world. What would my lasting legacy or my footprint be? It would be cool to do something so good that people talked about it for generations, right? Like, it would be so cool to live a life of significance that, that people remembered you or that your name went down in history books. But wouldn't it be even better to have an eternal legacy? Rather than people knowing and remembering my name, wouldn't it be better if I helped people know and remember the name of Jesus, the name that has the power to save? So if, if you truly want to do something good in the world, if you truly want to have impact, know and follow the one who truly is good. Let him change your life and your heart 
and he will have impact through you. Let's end in prayer. Dear God, I thank you so much for your love for us. Um, God, I thank you that you are a God that, that penetrates our very hearts, our very souls, Lord. Uh, that you want us to encounter you. That's why you sent Jesus into the world. Um, you want us to know that you are alive and active in this world and bringing about your good and your kingdom. God, open our eyes to the ways that you are at work. Help us not to get discouraged when it seems like your influence is shrinking in this world, but help us to know that you are in control, that you are all-powerful, that nothing can stop um, the movement that you're creating in this world. So God, help us to surrender to it. Help us to surrender our lives. As we go through the sermon series, Lord, help it to be something that encourages us, um, that reminds us that the Jesus is at work, that he has done and is doing and will do uh, amazing good in this world. Um, and help us to join with you uh, in just increasing the impact of Jesus. And God, we pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.